Ever since I was a young fella, I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years along with some pretty cool tips and tricks as we step outside. Step outside. Everybody and welcome to Step Outside Podcast. Uh, you're listening to Paulie Bird. Hope you are doing well, whatever you're doing, and uh, been watching our Step Outside show across this wonderful nation of ours on Seven Mate. Of course, the NFL's been on, and uh, we've been off for the last week or two, but you can still catch up on all three seasons. That's over 120 episodes of course, directly on the 7 Plus website. Check it out, everybody. Uh, you know, this time of the year, we see a lot of rain coming around in the summer sort of period. And, of course, with that, it really does bring out some different styles of fishing and different species of crustaceans in particular, whether it's mud crabs or, in this case, prawns. Now, we love to catch and eat our wonderful Australian delicacy, whether you're buying them in the stores, the Ocean Kings, the medium size of those super big bananas. But the banana prawn in particular runs out of our creeks and rivers into the bays. And it's something that a lot of people love to do. Now, certain parts of the country, you cannot use a cast net, but fortunately in Queensland, you can. So we thought we would talk to a gentleman who knows all about prawns. He's come from a commercial background. He works for Garmin Australia now. His name is Gordon Triplett. And I thought we'd have a chat with Gordy about what sounders are required to target prawns or maybe just in general what sounders are required to put on your boat to target other particular species of fish. Hey, we're going straight to the horse's mouth with Gordon Triplett. Good morning to you, Gordy. Thanks for joining us on the Step Outside podcast today. Yeah, good morning, Paul. How are you, mate? Good. Yeah, yeah all good, mate. Good. Thanks for your time this morning. Um, mate, prawns, I mean, uh, they're, they're a, a beautiful delicacy that you know, you and I have been chasing them since we were kids, but, mate, for other people getting into it, it's a tough thing to understand and what to look for on your sound if you don't have it set up correctly. First things first, are there prawns around at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. This is um, this is the time of year that we start getting them. They, they pretty much started, you know, just before Christmas. And, um, and like you said, with all this rain, um, it's going to prolong the season, but it's... Um, the rain is really good for prawns. So without the rain, we don't have a good banana prawn season. But um, but with it, we'll we'll have an absolute cracker, and it certainly started out like that already. I know Cabbage Tree Creek up there around uh, Sandgate has been holding a few near the trawlers. Uh, Pine River's getting a few. What about further down around Logan, Rudy Mars, Jacobs Well? Is that area that 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 area to me always fires a little bit after those northern reaches? Yeah, yeah. So normally the um the the northern Rivers, sort of rivers and creeks, come online first. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of a sprinkle of prawns in the Logan, but they're still very small. Um, bear in mind that the Logan um, really topped that really heavy flush just before Christmas, and um, you know the Logan was pretty much in full flood. So um, it's going to take a while for those prawns that got washed out to sort of come back. But um, there, there is a bit of prawn in there at the moment, but it's still pretty small. 
certainly, um, you know, those northern rivers in the top end of the bay are holding the better quality prawns, and at, at this point in time, the better um, the better catches as well. Years ago, you could go out there and, uh, you know, when the, when the schools of prawns were thick, you could get 100 kilos if you wanted to, and, of course, divide them up all between your mates and families and extended people who just, you had no idea existed, but they all became your friend. Uh, but, mate, um, now it's a 10-litre bucket full per person, 20 litres maximum per boat, regardless of how many people on board, more than two. Uh, mate, is that going to change? Any word? I, I did hear along a, a rumour along the lines there that they may be dropping it back to a 10-litre bucket full per boat now. Is that going to come into play, do you think? Yeah, look, there's, there's speculation around, Paul, but as as of yet, there's there's nothing public being made. Um, I, I don't the, see the, the point. Why, why, why do that? Like, you know, 20 litres per boat, max, you know, for, for two people or even three or four people. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's enough prawns and it's enough to, to give you an effort to go up there and actually do it, isn't it? Like, if you cut it back, you, you just may yeah. as well just go and buy them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the fact is, too, that the banana prawns seem to be getting more and more and more prolific every year. So... Obviously, the, the the effort or the pressure that's put on the system isn't hurting, um, you know, the, the quantity of prawns that is there every year. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it needs a, a reduction. Um, and and certainly the catches that you see around the place, both on the commercial side and on the recreational side, seem to support that we've got a sustainable fishery there. And I think that's great coming from you because, you know, your family with your father came from a, a commercial industry background and, and generally, in, and now you're in recreational, combining those two, is a, it's a very strong, powerful message that you send. Mate, when it comes to the sounders, now I want to talk about that because what is it we want to put on our boat? We want like the, uh, the, the Garmin Striker plus four fish finder or do you need to go to a, you know, like the 7SV fish finder, the Striker Vivids? I mean, what is it that we want to put that's going to show a prawn up? Because prawns aren't too big. How do we see them on the bottom of the, of the ocean? So, yeah, that's a really good point. And it, and it comes down to... You know, a couple of things in terms of basically how good your eyesight is. Because you've got to remember when you're looking for prawns and you've got a car set, you're standing up in the boat. So you might actually be a little bit of a distance away from the screen. So you don't want to be, you know, having to get down on all fours to have a look at the screen that's, you know, mounted on the side of the boat. So screen size, um, just from that point of view, that you can be a bit of a distance away, you want to have a bit of a think about that. The, um, and the other thing, of course, is budget, what your budget allows. So um, you mentioned the Striker Series. Striker Series is fantastic. Um, it's it's our um, entry-level unit. What you do want, though, with prawns is you want good traditional chirp sonar and you also want good chirp clear view technology, which is the, the down view technology. What is so, chirp? Explain chirp. People think a bird. What is chirp? Okay, so chirp, chirp technology, so the best way I can describe this to put it into layman's terms, years ago when we had our traditional sonars that, you know, fired at 50 or 200 hertz or 77 or 200 hertz, can you imagine if you had your garden hose in your hand and you cracked the, the handle of the, the tap and it was just dripping one drip at a time, just drip, drip, drip. Well, chirp is like putting the spray nozzle on oh. and putting it on flat out. So... You've got many, many droplets of water going out at different sizes. Now, imagine that's the the um, the sonar bouncing off the bottom. You've got many bits of sonar going out, hitting the bottom and bouncing back. 
So in layman's terms, that's the best way I can describe it. Now, each each different size sonar droplet, if you like, um, we call it Hertz, reacts differently with different size prawns and fish. So that's why we get different targets on our screen. And with the Garmin units, we get very, very good clarity and very, very good target separation. So where we used to see uh, a bait school or uh, a, a you know, a cloud of prawns. Now we don't see that anymore. We see individual prawns. So when I'm going up the river and, you know, I'm, I'm mid-40s now, Paul, and we're all getting a little bit lazier. Um, I, I don't throw when there's only Speak one or two prawns. I don't throw when there's one or two prawns under us. We actually, you know, we, we wait until there's a, a reasonable amount and then we have a throw. Most of the sounders these days come with a plotter, don't they? Yeah, yeah, certainly the um, you know the combo units. Yeah, they've, they've definitely got a plotter in them. Um, those little striker units that we we're talking about before, they've got a, a blank screen, but it'll still leave your track, and they'll also build a map over time. But um, but certainly, yeah, the Echo Map ninety five has got a um a full plotter in it. All your maps are built in. Mate, um, when you put a uh, a unit on the boat, you've gone down to Anaconda, you've, you've bought yourself a, a unit and you go, right, I need to put this onto my boat. With the transducer, do you put it below the transom, the bottom of the transom, so it's actually getting the clean water, or do you have it just skimming in line with the bottom of the transom? Yeah, so you've, you've hit the nail on the head with the word that you use, skimming. So these, these transducers that... Um, are supplied with most modern-day units are called a skimming transducer. So they're meant to skim across the surface of the water. Now, the optimal is to have the surface of, or the, the bottom surface of the transducer about three mil below the surface of the boat or the, the running hull of the boat. And you want to have a little bit of tilt down as well. So the back of the transducer should be tilted down further than the front of the transducer. And the optimum tilt it would take a few degrees because every boat's different and it's got a different running attitude, but the optimum tilt is about eight degrees. People might think, oh, that's going to spray water up onto my under my uh, cowling of the engine. I mean, reality is you're out in the bloody ocean. So, you know, you're going to get water spraying up anyway, regardless, aren't you? I mean, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you haven't got it buried too deep. Yeah, yeah, look, it, it, it doesn't. However, Garmin's um, pretty crafty. We've actually got a built-in spray deflector on every transducer. So... Yeah. Um, and if it's an older transducer, then um, we sell them as a um, as a spare part, um, and they're very inexpensive. They're about well, you put me on the spot here, but I think they're about twenty five bucks retail. Um, but yeah, they're they're fantastic because it just completely stops the spray. I, I personally think too that having the spray deflector on them holds a little bit of water pressure on the on the actual front of the transducer, and can help eliminate um, you know the the transducer breaking out at speed so it actually holds the water pressure on it and stops those bubbles from going over the, the face of the transducer and stopping it from working. Kind of, kind of creates its own pressure point by the sound of it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It does, yeah. Mate, um, people wanting to go, right, I don't want to put a uh, an external uh, piece of equipment and screw it into my gel coat. I'm going to go through hull. Through hull, does that mean that you cut a hole in your hull? I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm speaking as, as a, a layman's term here. Is, do you turn around and go, right, I'm going to cut a hole in the bottom and put the transducer through, or do you have a wet box? So either or, yeah. So there's two different types. So we, we've, we've got transducers, which we refer to as through hole, which yep, that's get the hole saw out and cut a hole in the bottom of the boat. And then we've got ones that we refer to as in hole, which are the wet box style, which 
you mount a, a box or a, or a bucket, if you like, inside the boat. Um, some transducers come with these. Other ones you have to sort of aftermarket make them. But, um, yeah, you mount it inside the boat and then it fires through. Now, that, that the fire through type style one gets a little bit tricky because um, obviously boats are made of different sorts of materials, um, different compounds. And, yeah, some boats have what we call a core mat in them, which is, a, um, for want of a better word, a really, really thick paper um, that builds density in the boat. Now, through um, in-hole transducers don't fire real well through that because it's impregnated with air. So yeah. um, air is the one thing that pretty much stops the transducer from working effectively. So, yeah, in-hole versions, um, yeah, pretty... Um, you know, mm. they, they can be a bit hit and miss. So you really want to, you know, talk to a shipwright or at least talk to your um, your local, you know, dealer, uh, marine dealer, and, and get a bit of an idea, unless you know your boat intimately and, and, and you know, you know exactly what you're it, firing through there. You just made a really good point because I've, I've, I've got myself and I've had for the last couple of years there a, uh, a Sea-Doo Fish Pro. Now, that particular Sea-Doo, we, we use that religiously everywhere and it picks up at great speed, the bottom, so you can always see what's going on. Um, but the main thing is that I see at the moment is a, um, a, a, I guess, the box inside the hull, which I, I took the seat off and I had a look at this thing myself I, I, because I was getting an air show, like there was nothing, given that the water may have leaked out or whatever the substance was in around that in-hull box. So I, I went through it and, and I worked out it, it was leaking out. So I'd fill it up with water, screw it back down, put the seat back on and away I'd go fishing. But I know in months later that it would be back to its normal self. I'd go looking for prawns or whatever and I'd have just a blank screen. I'm thinking, oh, man, it's done it again. Uh, eventually I had to put some sealant around it so nothing leaked out. But it really worked quite well providing there's no air inside that chamber. Yeah, it's, it's the number one cause of an ineffective transducer read, basically. Um, I get phone calls you know, weekly, multiple times a week where people say, my transducer doesn't work. The very first thing I say to them, is it working at rest? Because yeah. if you've got a transfer mount transducer and it's working at rest when the boat's not moving, then the transducer's moving. So the what what you need to understand is that a transducer doesn't know that it's moving. It doesn't have the smarts in it to know that it's moving. So it's not a speed thing in terms of the transducer just doesn't like moving at speed. It's something else being introduced to it, and that something else is always air across the face of it. So in, in your in your case, when you had a um, an in-hole one and the water had evaporated or run out or it had a leak, then that's where the air was coming from. Correct. That's And, then, and we yeah. rectified the problem. And, and fixing it ourselves... We know what the problem was, the issue was, and, and eventually, you know, you, you can uh, you can fix it without paying an arm and a leg to get someone else to do it. Understand what you're using is going to be beneficial for you, particularly if you're out on the water and something happens, whether it's your battery or your outboard or your electronics, could be simply as simple as a fuse being blown. Is understanding where things are, then obviously it's going to um, help you whilst you're you're out and about, mate. Um, Tell me about the, the, the unit that you have that you can see. I was up there fishing off uh, Gladstone with Justin Nye in a Wonga Dam, and he had this amazing unit that he was showing me the barramundi in their, their, their full uh, size, scales, fins, mouth, eyes, and the actual swim po- motion of it. And then we could see our lure, our fish trap, 
bouncing around in front of it and you could see the fish come out and actually smash the lure. What's that technology? So that's Garmin LiveScope. And, yeah, it's, I mean, the word the word's thrown around all the time, but it is an absolute game changer. Mm. Um, you know, to, to be able to see a fish's reaction under the water to a certain type of retrieve or a certain type of lure action um, is it, just crazy. And to be able to then react to their reaction and, you know, get that get that reaction by yeah. or or just make, make, you know, you change something up depending on what the fish just did to, to eventually get the capture, you know, that, that's crazy to be able to do that in, you know, 10, 20, 30 feet of water. It's just absolutely crazy. And that and that's the thing is we we were all because we did it for the show on Step Outside is that we were all looking at the sound and normally you're just looking at your rod tip or maybe at a kangaroo on the bank or whatever and you 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 really honed in on the on the on anything that hits your line across your fingers particularly when you're using a baitcaster and you're waiting just for that slightest knock whether that was a fish having a hit at it or whatnot but by the end of the day mate nobody was looking at their rod tip or the water everyone was looking at the sounder. Like you could actually, it was like a video game, and 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 that's what we found. Is that taking, is that taking? I guess fishing away from people. Do you think is that taking away learning the experiences of getting that little knock uh, for for upcoming people wanting to go fishing? Well, I mean, I guess the purists would say yes, but um, but to be honest, Paul, I, I think it's actually, you know, helped maximize your time on the water. Um, you know, you don't spend as much time aimlessly just plundering the, the, the dam or plundering the broad water or, you know, plundering the ocean. Now, we, we, we've got eyes under the water. So, yeah, you, you tend not to, um, you know, waste a lot of time. You spend more time, you know, dare I say, you spend more time catching than you do fishing because you, yeah. you just, you, you've got eyes under the water and it's, it really has, you know, it really has changed the way that, that we fish. And again, going back to, to prawning, it's changed the way that I prawn. Like I um I use livescape prawning, and you know those those banana prawn schools like they move quickly. Yes. So n- now I can see exactly where they've gone. Like yeah, exactly where they've gone, in what direction, how quickly they're moving. Um, you know, it, it, it is insane technology. Unbelievable, mate. I I am stoked because I know tomorrow we're going prawning. Right, I'm taking my ski up, and you're going up with Drew Argos and uh, from Pro Throw Nets. Okay, he's a great mate of yours. He um he invented the Pro Throw Net, a great cast net, and of course um Dave Allen there from uh, from Sam Allen Wholesalers, mate. You guys are going, so I'm going to follow you. Right? Is that is that cool? Can I do that? Can I follow you because you know <laughs> I'm going to be on a ski. I guess it's like someone taking a a goat boat out and sitting next to a surfer. You really don't want to know that person. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, look, it, 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 it does it, it, it does get a bit willing sometimes. And look, uh, <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. Sometimes some people get a little bit too close and a little bit too close for too long. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, mate, but we'll, we'll accept you tomorrow, Paul. We'll accept you as one of our own, okay? Yeah, I appreciate it, mate. <laughs> Thank you. I'll just, I'll just bring out my, my young fellow because, you know, everyone has a bit of a soft spot when you when you bring out your kids and you, you look like you've got no idea. Um, <laughs> but, but, but just on that, like, yeah. just on a serious note, with, with prawn etiquette, like, 
sometimes we get into these situations, you know, in the northern end of the bay or the southern end of the bay where we call it the mosh pit and there's 200 boats and, you know, everybody's casting in, in close proximity. Um, you know, and that's cool because everybody's on the same school of prawns, but, you know, you want to give the guy next door to you enough room to physically throw his net. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're out there and you find yourself in a mosh pit, and it's great fun and it's normally a really, really good atmosphere and everybody's getting on and having a good time. But, yeah, just be mindful that you don't want to, you don't want to um, pull up within six feet of him because you you might end up covered in the net. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've caught um, I've actually caught uh, like a, a crayfish around Carragarra right. um, Island. Have you ever done that? Oh, no, I wasn't, but I was um, I was there. That was a lot of years ago now, Paul. Yeah, that's um, my brother was, Dougie picked him up. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's um, I, I've never caught a crayfish. Um, I've I've caught all sorts of you know weird, wonderful things. I've got mud crabs. I've got bull sharks they're always fun to get in the net um you know octopuses all sorts of stuff but no i've never been lucky enough to get a crayfish there i was unlucky enough to get a a, a blue ring octopus and uh mate i I remember i was a younger fellow and i cast it anyway came back in i cleaned the boat at the tinny and um i looked down at my arm and here's this this blue ring octopus right up near my elbow and i could just see the colors on him changing and mate it was the far it was muhammad ali god God love his soul and rest in peace. Is that, mate, it was so fast. It was like a, and it was it was gone. And I wiped it off the arm and it landed and I put it straight into a jar of vinegar. Um, but, mate, I mean, you do pick up, you get stonefish, you get bull rout. You really got to be careful what you're grabbing around in the um, in the height of the action, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like I, I've had the blue ring before too when I was a young fella. From the, um, I had it on the shoulder. It was sitting on my shirt. But, yeah, um, stonefish and bull routes are, very commonplace, and then of course you got the um the uh, the other ones with the uh, catfish. Um, oh, you know, right. there's, there's plenty of catfish, and like up at Nudgee there, when the prawns come on out in front of the airport, you get lots of little catfish. They're only about you know sort of six to yeah. eight centimeters long, and it seems to be that they swim with the prawns. So yeah, when you when you're pulling the net up, you sort of got to have you know one, one eye on where you're putting your your hand yeah. on the net to pull it up because um. You can easily miss one and you know drive one of those um, spikes in your hand, and it's never fun. No, not at all. <laughs> not 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 a caddy. Are they the black and white ones that swim in a school of a hundred? Yeah, normal. Normally, if you get, we call them footballers because right. they've got stripes on them. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, normally if you get a footballer, you get a hundred. Yep. Um, the other little black and white ones that are always a bit nasty are those um, uh, those little John Dory. I think they called a scat. Yes. Um, and um, oh, gee, they can they can really light you up those ones. <laughs> Mate, I remember the the one thing that lit me up when I was a kid again because a thing is we talk about when we're children because that's when you learn from your mistakes. You make a shitload of mistakes when you're that age, <laughs> right? And, that, yeah. and, we, and you you are the most experienced man I've ever known because you learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Experience comes from mistakes, right? So I, I remember getting a happy moment under my fingernail. Ooh. Under my fingernail, and that was at uh, 1770. And uh, mate, yeah, that that was an abs. I wanted to chop the finger off, right? It was it was a nasty right up, like half an inch straight up. It was it was really shitty. Not not a good thing. You ever had that happen? You should try. Um, I've 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 stayed away from happy moments. I always give them a big wide berth. They say they're equivalent to a hundred catfish. 
Oh, so, mate, and I reckon yeah. I reckon you're right. I went into a seafood shop the other day, and they're selling these things. And I'm thinking there is no. I, I avoided that aisle. I mean, there's no way because now I'd, I'd walk past, and the nally bin would just yeah. somehow collapse and fall over, and they'd spike me. But I, I, I avoided that aisle, and I left it for uh, for my son to go up. Mate, um, <laughs> back to the uh, the units now. Okay, um, what are we going to be powering with? Obviously, um, you know, we, we've got uh, lithium batteries these days. Does that is that harmful towards your sounders? Um, you know, we use a lot of green energy there. Okay, Steve Wattman, yep. great guy. Uh, mate, is it is it lithium or should we just stick to normal 12-volt? No, no. Lithium is um, is definitely no harm whatsoever. Um, and as you say, yeah, we've been using green marine lithium there for a little while now. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's definitely the way to go, obviously, because the, the difference between lithium and the normal battery is obviously you can use a lithium to like 95% of its life. So just like your, you know, your battery and your cordless drill, it goes and goes and goes and then just dies. Um, yeah, if you use like 95%. Where with a wet battery, you know, somewhere over 50% is about where it's going to start um, causing your grief. The other thing with lithium is, and electronics, lithium actually is a lot better because lithium is clean power. And you haven't got that fluctuation in voltage and amps, so it should technically make your electronics last longer. Well, that's a, that's a really good point, as well as weight issues. Because if you're in a tinny, a standard, say, a 4.3 or 4.8 metre tinny, which is, a, a, I guess, the average size boat these days for tinnies, uh, mate, you've got a, a 40 horsepower on the back, you've got your, your butt sitting down the back, or even a side console, is that you do have a lot of weight. And, of course, a standard battery weighs, what, around 23 kilograms or so, uh, depending on the yep. size, but then your uh, your lithium batteries from say Green Marine, mate, we're we're talking a, a quarter of the weight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, actually, when Steve um Steve gave me a battery when I bought a battery off him a little while ago, he gave me the battery and I actually said to him, "Is that a real one or is that just like a <laughs> you know a dummy one that you put on display in a shop?" And he said, "No, mate, that's real." So yeah, it's it's crazy how light they are. Yeah. So Makes yeah, it it's um. Oh, sorry, mate, go on. No, it's just saying it makes a big difference to all boating needs, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um that and that technology like is just come such a long way. Like, you know, a few years ago there was all sorts of concerns around lithium. Um, but now, you know, the most reputable companies have really got it sorted out. The lithium is safe. It's um it's it's good to have in your boat. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive, but gee, the benefits far outweigh the cost. Mate, tell me about the GT51 and the uh, GT23. What's the difference of, we're talking transducers? GT51 is a 600-watt traditional chirp sonar transducer yep. with down and side view. The GT23 is also 600-watt, but it doesn't have side view. Roger that. So, okay. so side, um, side view gives you the, the, the you know, you, you, you're going left and right? Out beside the boat, aren't you? So the centre of the screen is basically your outboard. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. The centre of the screen, I, I say, is the keel, yeah, outboard, transducer. But, yeah, the centre of the screen is basically where it's firing from. Yep. And, um, yeah, they look they look left and right. The GT51 um, being, it's got 500 watts per cone angle in your, oh. in your um, side and clear view imagery. Yep. So that is that is very very powerful and like you know you'll be able to see 
that that's a good offshore transducer, and you you'll be able to see bottom in you know eighty odd meters. You'll be able to scan probably you know, one hundred and twenty meters each side. So that that GT fifty one is the one that we recommend for guys that do a lot of offshore fishing. Very very good for finding um, you know red emperor country and all that sort of stuff in that fifty sixty meters of water um, where you can literally cover you know. To three hundred meters in one sweep. Can you uh, can you work those units in shallower water, say for prawns, or do you just? It's, yep. I guess you could change the uh, the 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 the, um, the wattage coming out. Would be is that the right thing to say? Yeah, yeah. So you can drop your hertz down. So yes. in shallower water, you want to drop your hertz back to four fifty five hertz if you're using a GT fifty one. And yet, there's plenty of people that use it in shallow water, and they are. They are fantastic in shallow water. We also now have a new transducer, which is an ultra-high-depth transducer, better suited for shallow water up to a max depth of about 80 metres. But it's ultra-high-depth, and it is unbelievably good in shallow water. So if you're talking about prawning or if you're a bay fisherman or a creek fisherman, then a GT56 is, is probably a better tranny. And most of our units, now that do side imaging, um, so say uh, Echo Map 75 SV or a 95 SV UHD, they come with that transducer. Okay, so it comes with the unit. Yeah, so one thing that Garmin has always stood tall on is we we put the product to market that suits the customer's needs the best. We don't put the product to market just to meet a price point. Right. So okay. we we make sure that the unit is coupled with, you know, the best quality transducer that you can put with that unit for its intended application. So, yeah, it's um, you know, the, the transducers are, are, you know, fairly expensive, but um, they're in the package, they're in the box. You don't pay extra; you just pay the one cost. But it's yeah, very very good. So yeah, we swapped to the GT fifty six um, from upgraded from the GT fifty four, probably about oh. I'm going to put a rough number on it and say eight months ago, nine months ago. Yep. And, and um, yeah, the GT56 is awesome. So, yeah, GT56 for, say, Bay Creek and inshore work and then GT51 for offshore-style work. Yeah, mate, I'll tell you what, it's it's good to know that you're getting looked after when you buy the package. And and like you said, you know, you're not just getting one thing. You've got to sort of Frankenstein it together. You can go, right, I'm, I'm doing this sort of fishing and this is what I need, and there it is in the box, ready to rock and roll. Yep, yep. So, and that's the great thing with with our products. You can go into, you know, your marine retail, your Anaconda, mm. and buy the box, and everything that you need to take that home and make it work is in that box. Yeah. So you, you can be, you know, you've got a bit of peace of mind there that you don't, you know, as you say, need to Frankenstein something together. Mm. Mate, what's a what's a better screen on the boat? Um, bigger the better. Is a twelve inch better than a nine inch, Gordy? Yeah. So g- generally speaking, um, you know the resolution gets better as you go bigger. Right. But um, you know, with, with with side imaging and and clear view imaging, and then a live scope, what we talked about before, those technologies sort of you know really lend themselves to the bigger the better in terms of screen size. So. Yeah, it, it comes down to, to budget, but, um, yeah, the bigger the screen you can go, the better it is. 
Yeah, all right. And particularly if you go going to split the screen as well and go plot it on one side or even you know quadruple it, you can change the screen size to suit whether you're running your engine, you want to see diagnostics of your boat, your electronics, uh, maybe you've got a camera set up on the back deck for a bigger boat, uh, maybe you're looking at the transducer or the sounder coming through and, of course, your plotter to give you the mark. So the bigger the, the, bigger the screen's going to really fit all that comfortably in there without straining your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant point. Um, people split Thank the screen all the, <laughs> all the time. And uh, not very often I compliment you, but anyway. Um, um, yeah, the guys that go and split the screen, it's something to think about. Like you, you might be in the market for, say, a 16-inch screen, which is a great big screen. But if you intend on splitting that six ways, then you actually might be better off buying two 10-inch screens, which is going to be around about the same sort of money anyway. But effectively, you then are getting 20 inches of screen versus 16, and you can split them in more ways. So, yeah, definitely something to think about in in terms of your your dash layout, Um, yeah, and what you're going to do with it. Knowing your dash, check your dash size first and check out the cutout behind the dash before you go and purchase though because um, you, you, you could have a, uh, a 25-inch dash going across the, the front of your boat, but you'll be surprised behind it. You may not have the room of a 25-inch um, systems to, to fit in there once you put your gauges in, et cetera. Although your gauges now, you don't need gauges because it's all electronic. You can go straight through to your sounder, can't you, or your, your unit? Yeah, so most... Most outboard companies have sort of jumped on board now and and teamed up. So we've got um, you know Yamaha screens within our units um, on our on our higher end units. Um, but even if we don't have that built-in Yamaha screen, um, and we've got Mercury as well and um, whatnot, but there's there's a um, a communications network that comes on these units called NMEA two thousand. So. Mm-hmm. It's a um, it's a network that you, anybody that joins to this has got to um, be part of the NMEA. They've got to adhere to the protocols that NMEA sets. So it's a secure network. Now we can plug a Yamaha gateway into that NMEA network and then put a data up on our screen. So fuel data, revs, taco hours, um, all all sorts of stuff. So the options there are. Are you know pretty vast, and um, and that's come a long way in the last few years. Yeah, it certainly has, mate. And it's always again, it's great to know that you've got good support behind the unit as well. If something goes wrong, um, you guys run a, a pretty good online and a personal uh, support for people to to get in contact with you. You're not talking to a robot. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got a call centre based in Sydney. So yeah, you'll you'll be speaking to somebody that's based here. Um, the first port of call is always where you bought it from. Mm. And, you know, we, we conduct training with all of our dealers. So um, they, they should be pretty good. And if, if, and I've got to say, we have very, very low failure rates, but if we do have a failure, so let's, let's put a scenario. I, I bought a 95 SC. It's got a two year warranty. I get 12 months down the track. And for some reason it has stopped. It, it just doesn't work through no fault of your own. It doesn't work anymore. You, get that you take it back to where you bought it from so say anaconda Mm -hmm. you take it back to anaconda you have your proof of purchase anaconda will do a quick analysis on it if it doesn't power up and it doesn't work as you say if they've got one there they will swap it there and then for you yeah it's perfect so 
So there's no sending it back. You're not waiting for three, four weeks for a technician to look at it. Um, you know, we, we will replace it then and there. The reason we can do that is because we have such little warranty. So, yeah, if, if it's, um, say, for instance, it was just a, a feature within the unit that has sort of gone out of whack or is not working, then we may want you to do a software update on it first. So that's the first thing that you should do. If, if the units ever get out of whack, um, software update first. Then if you can't fix it, back to the place where you bought it from. Gordon, it's always a, a pleasure to chat to you, mate. And um, I thought we'd, t- we'd do this podcast just to uh, impart your information through to the consumer out there because a lot of people are getting into boating. Obviously, they're enjoying what we have in our backyard now. 80% of the population around Australia live within a 50-kilometre radius of the ocean. So, you know, there's a lot of people doing more boating and, and experiencing what you and I grew up with. So uh, I hope this uh, podcast finds people some happiness and paves a way for them of not being too scared or worried or a little daunted when they do walk into a store to see what they want to buy and, of course, um, enjoy what we have to offer. Mate, thanks for your time today, buddy. No worries at all, mate. And um, listen, don't be late tomorrow morning, hey, and bring me a muffin for brekkie. <laughs> Will do, mate. No dramas at all. Have yourself a great day. You've been listening up to a Step Outside podcast with Bertie. Hope you've enjoyed it. And, of course, we'll see you soon again on Step Outside across this magnificent country of ours and, of course, on 7, mate. And as I love to say, may your rod bend off and everybody. Ever since I was a young fella, I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years along with some pretty cool tips and tricks as we step outside. Step outside.